0: Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist of the Tuscaloosa News, joined as I always am by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com, longtime friend as well. Uh, looking forward to this midsummer edition of Talking Tide. You can get us on any podcasting app you prefer, including Apple Podcasts, also available to you. Live or recorded on YouTube or Facebook. And of course, the Twitter feed is talking underscore Tide. Uh, jump on that handle, give us a follow, and you'll get alerts every time we drop a podcast. The Talking Tide podcast, sponsored by Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, and DraftKings as well. A little bit more uh, on each of those fine sponsors. Later in the program, Travis, we uh, kick this thing off. I guess we've been out for uh, a couple of weeks here on Talking Tide. We slow down the pace a little bit uh, in midsummer, but getting kind of near the time where we'll pick up the pace. Uh, maybe go once a week as we hit uh, the preseason, and uh, of course SEC media days around the corner. But for this edition. Figured we'd take a look at that Alabama home football schedule. Of course, the last time we convened here on Talking Tide, we broke things down on the road side of the schedule. Uh, but uh, good to have you back again, once again, Travis, and uh, looking forward to diving into this home slate.
1: Yeah, a little time to sort of rest and recharge before the proverbial stuff. Hits the fan in earnest with those SEC media days. And then before you know it, we'll be in the fall camp 2022. And no doubt about it, September the 3rd, the Mountain West Conference champion, Utah State Aggies, travel to Tuscaloosa to open that home schedule. Chase, before maybe some more anticipated matchups this time around on the road as compared to the home games, I'd say.
0: Yeah, no doubt. The home schedule in September is not especially appealing. It, it really gets fired up once uh, October rolls around and, and Texas A&M comes to town. Utah State, though, a team that's up, down, up again. Of course, they had a, a, a super year in Jordan Love's last year at quarterback a couple of years back. Uh, he leaves and, and uh, uh, actually in his last year, they had started to kind of fall apart. His best year for them was uh, the previous season, but up, down and up again. And, and, uh, they did have a pretty solid season last year. I've been to Utah state. As a matter of fact, it's, uh, uh, quite a scene up there, right up in those mountains. There's, there's, uh, snow all around, at least at the time I went there, I would never seen so much snow in my life. Uh, and they kind of cut it right out of a mountain, uh, with that football complex and, uh, Alabama's, uh, Alabama doesn't have to worry about those those frigid temps, though, hosting in September as opposed to going on the road to a venue like that. Yeah, it had to
1: be a little bit of a shock, I'd say, for Blake Anderson going out there a couple of years ago as the new head coach of the Aggies at the time going from Jonesboro, Arkansas, Chase, out to Utah and into that sort of situation. But, man, he's a good football coach. Won a couple of Sunbelt Conference titles at ASU. Now he's won an MWC. Uh, they're at Utah State. Uh, I think it's one meeting he's had against Alabama's head coach that was at Arkansas State didn't go terribly well uh, for the Red Wolves as you might expect uh, in that type of matchup with the 2018 Alabama team so uh, we'll see if maybe this time around he's able to keep his club a little bit more within shouting distance.
0: Moving along on the home schedule, Travis, uh, my only thought on ULM, what's that Monday presser going to be like ULM week, (laughs) Nick Saban? Uh, Is he going to preempt all all, all the questions of the 07 game, or is he just going to wait for him to come? Will he he be lying in the weeds on that, or is he going to preempt it all?
1: You know, even though he's already exercised that demon against ULM since then, you know it's still going to be – A popular question and a popular topic. And what about Terry Terry Bowden taking another swing at the Crimson Tide? Terry Bowden, the only coach opposing coach on Alabama's 2022 schedule, chase with a winning record against Alabama. He was three and two uh, in five games as Auburn's head coach. Now he got the the Iggy in what was it ninety eight? I guess before before Alabama and Auburn met in Birmingham. So it was brother Bill Oliver that stepped in there on an interim basis, but he was able to maintain that winning record. (laughs) You think he's told anybody that? You think he's uh, reminded some people of that? That, I, you know, look, I got a winning record against Alabama. None of those games against Nick Saban, but a
0: couple of them against uh, a really, really, really good coach in Gene Stallings. He won't be saying that in front of any microphone, but uh, maybe a little bit of person-to-person reminders. Yeah. What are
1: the bow- what's the Bowden family as head coaches? Tommy took an L in
0: 08, right? He did. And he did. Bobby
1: got Nick in 07. He got it, we that game in 07. Jacksonville.
0: Yeah, he sure did.
1: That game he was sure vacated, did. I think, by both teams. That's how bad that 07 game in Jacksonville was. Both teams vacated it like it never happened. Yeah. So, uh, you, you and I might have
0: tailgated on the clock.
1: Yeah, that, we did a little bit. But, but, we did a little happened. bit. We were a little out of it ourselves.
0: Great yeah. time, that was Yeah,
1: I, I think, uh, I think the Bowdens go to one and two against Nick Saban maybe after this one.
0: Yeah, no question. All right. Uh, Texas AM, of course, the big one, Travis. Uh, we, we got to stop there and, and we've talked about it a little bit before, but, uh, the Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban dust up in the off season is is going to drive ticket sales, interest, TV ratings, going to drive it all. But set all that aside, uh, it, it, it could be it could easily be the toughest game on Alabama's entire schedule, and certainly on the home schedule. Only
1: home game in the month of October,
0: on top of everything else, because yeah. you got Arkansas
1: on the road on the first, you got Tennessee on the road on the fifteenth. Actually, two home games because Mississippi State is at home. Um, they're on the 22nd, my bad. So, a couple of home games, but you talk about a home schedule for this upcoming season, depending on what Auburn's able to do in the first month, even, of the season. This could have very much the look, by the time the Aggies roll into Tuscaloosa, of being essentially a one-game home schedule, right? I am mean, Mississippi State we will see in year three under Mike Leach, um Vanderbilt's not gonna help things certainly there in September, along with ULM and in Utah State. So you're expecting some no contest type situations in the month of September in Tuscaloosa. But absolutely, this is a game that we've already heard from CBS. That's their doubleheader afternoon primetime uh weekend. I think we all know when this game is expected to kick off based on that. And um And and an opportunity for Jimbo to put it all together where Alabama is concerned as Texas A&M's head coach. Beat Alabama last year, but then you lost to three other teams in the SEC West. So he needs to parlay a win over Alabama
0: into something that's more along championship lines. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Beat Alabama last year, but didn't sustain Flat Lost out. to both the Mississippi schools. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't do that. If you're going to beat Alabama, if you're going to get over the hump against Alabama, you got to do better elsewhere.
1: You got to beat Arkansas. You got to beat Ole Miss. You got to beat Mississippi State. Wasn't able to do it. You got to show up for your damn bowl game against yeah. NC State, maybe while you're at it.
0: <laughs> Mississippi State, you mentioned uh, the Bulldogs will be coming to town as well. Austin P. Will be the uh, annual tune up game ahead of the Iron Bowl. Auburn comes to town. Of course, uh, Auburn always in Tuscaloosa on those even numbered years, Travis. And so, uh, Brian Hart, what about Brian Harson coming into this game? All that went on with him, and yeah, it's been kind of quiet this summer for him. He'll be asked in a, in a week or so, uh, certainly at SEC Media Days about the. the uh, window in the winter where where he was potentially going to be ousted as as Auburn's head coach ultimately did not happen uh but you think Brian Harson wouldn't have a uh an extended middle digit for a couple of folks down on the plains if he were to pull an upset at the end of the season in Tuscaloosa
1: oh wow I'm just wondering if he's going to get to the end of the season though Chase is this going to be another interim Type situation uh, in a game against Nick Saban in Alabama once you get into November. Uh, I look at even a couple of three game stretch that Auburn has there October 1st, October 8th, October the 15th. And I'm thinking by mid October, we're going to have a pretty good idea what the deal is with Brian Harson in terms of potentially being around for a third season. I'd it's just tough to envision that right now as much as anything because of the attempted coup in the offseason. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what that was. So, um I got to think Brian Harson at this time at this point he probably feels like he's playing with house money in a lot of ways. Nobody's expecting Brian Harson at this point to be around for year 3 and if Auburn doesn't
0: want him to be around for year 3, he's going to get a pretty nice check. No, and the Auburn administration looks conceivably could come out of this season looking worse than harson you know I, yes. I, I, I it could go either way you're right it, maybe it is an interim situation maybe they do get to the end of the season and he's even more of a lame duck than he appears to be at the moment the flip side of it is if he manages to rally and win some games he's not supposed to win yeah that's that's double the egg on the face of the admin right yeah it
1: is um it's just kind of hard to pinpoint where those wins are going to come from. And, you know, we talk about it from the conference perspective and understandably. So we're talking about the best league and in, in college football in the SEC, but I think that Penn state game early in the season at Jordan Hare, I think you'll get a pretty good indication after, uh, maybe the events of, of what goes down in that one after, uh, after we saw Penn State get that close win, it, it, it last year, the win over Auburn, I think if you're an Auburn fan, you came out of that one in Happy Valley thinking, you know what, we lost the game, but we were right there, had a great shot to win. This is year one of a new head coach. There were some positives to take from it. Uh, this time around, anything other than a W uh, to cap that two-game set, and the Wolves are going to be out
0: Moving on here on this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Going to touch on the latest in recruiting for Alabama football. Travis, you and I don't often discuss the recruiting front here on Talking Tide, but uh, since you and I last sat down for a Talking Tide episode, a flurry of commitments for the Crimson Tide, uh, six of them, as a matter of fact, for the 2023 class. Another one, Perry Thompson for the 2024 class, so you count him, it's seven altogether here in the last couple weeks. And Alabama's jumped just with that flurry. Uh, Alabama's jumped in national rankings from the late 20s to, I think, 17 or 18 maybe, depending on what service you're looking at. Uh, So, you know, for, for a while there, I think maybe some Alabama fans that followed recruiting, Travis, were pushing a little bit of a panic button, maybe related to NIL, uh, with Alabama sitting outside the top 25, not familiar territory for Nick Saban's recruiting efforts, for sure. But as we know, Travis, you and I covered recruiting uh, back before it was fashionable. to
1: cover When it recruiting. was in print all the time, <laughs> yeah, when all right. you had was print recruiting.
0: It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. And I think that's that—that's the takeaway from these last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, and you go through the camp season. That's always a big part of the process from an evaluation standpoint for Alabama. And you look at a couple of the commitments that Alabama's picked up just of late. A guy like Brayson Hubbard, uh, the athlete prospect from South Mississippi down at Ocean Springs High School, is a guy no one was talking about. He goes to Alabama camp, lights it up gets an offer, was headed to play baseball at Southern Miss and more of a high school quarterback, but Alabama sees him as a safety. So it just shows you Alabama still continues to do its diligence in terms of the evaluation process and how much the month of June is a big part of that. But, you know, they've done some nice things at the junior college level. You talk about some maybe retro recruiting. How much do you hear about junior college guys these days? And Alabama has gone out to get, Arguably the top two junior college prospects for the 2023 cycle, and Malik Benson, the outstanding wide receiver from Hutchinson Community College. And then also Justin Jefferson, the linebacker from Pearl River Community College over in Mississippi. So little JC recruiting, Chase. We don't hear as much about that these days with the portal.
0: Is the portal killing JUCO recruiting? Yet? I think
1: it's killing high school. I think it's killing JCs. I think what's also been interesting these last few years for sure is COVID and how that interrupted the evaluation process. And, you know, I think there are probably some kids that benefited believe it or not from COVID and that maybe they weren't as evaluated as thoroughly as they had been previously. So some offers were made to some players, some prospects that if they had gone through the typical process Maybe they don't get those offers. Right. Then there were some kids undoubtedly overlooked. And maybe a couple of these kids went the junior college route because that's essentially all they had between COVID, the extra year, the portal. Uh, And now you're seeing the other side of that with a couple of these guys uh, showing up in the 2023 cycle. What about you?
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I think it is interesting that Nick Saban's gone uh, to the Juco ranks for a couple guys. Benson, I think, is the number one wide receiver recruit in the Juco ranks nationally. So, mm-hmm. uh, potentially a really big pickup there for the Crimson Tide. Uh, Tony Mitchell, the cornerback out of Thompson High School, a really highly recruited uh, guy as well. Six foot two. Uh, so, Long and lanky. That's and the way. That's that's what they're looking for at that position now, Travis. If, if uh, I don't think the five ten corner is a dinosaur just yet, uh, but that position's getting longer and leaner. It is, out. and
1: then you also like the potential for some guys to play safety if they need to, right? Six yeah. two. Uh, those are guys that you can sort of project it every spot in the secondary with the way Alabama uses guys between corner and safety and star and money in those positions. So Mitchell looks like as a five-star, he's certainly got that sort of versatility and a lot of versatility throughout the class. I think, you know, you said it earlier. I think some Alabama fans have been a little anxious here in the last month or so, but I think even in the coming days and weeks with the camps behind and visits behind in the month of june you're going to continue to see dominoes fall at a pretty good pace
0: all right one final note on the recruiting front uh uh, subtraction for the crimson tide signing class Elliot washington four-star safety uh has flipped had been an alabama commitment he uh for the moment anyway has changed his commitment to penn state so uh yeah that's not going to change i don't think
1: from what uh, i understand he'll he'll probably be a Nittany
0: line, even though he's a legacy, you know, with That's his, right. with his father. Basketball. Yeah, That's so right. That. All right. The talking tide podcast on the pigskin podcast network moving on. We're going to thank a couple sponsors here uh, really quickly. Then we got some uh, interesting notes for you on the back end of the podcast. First though, we're going to tell you all about North river dental associates and Dr. Jack Smalley, That great staff of dental hygienists he's got conveniently located at 1100 Fairfax Park right off of Watermelon Road for all your dental needs, your family's dental needs, dentures, pediatric dentistry, laser dentistry, cosmetic dentistry, porcelain veneers. They do it all at North River Dental Associates. Also doing teeth whitening services. That's always popular. Botox and Juvederm treatments as well. They're great with dealing with the insurance folks and on a routine cleaning you're going to be in and out of there typically in under an hour. My routine cleaning Travis is uh upcoming toward uh the end of next week, so I'll have a full report the next time we podcast from uh, Dr. Jack's uh outstanding facility. The phone number if you want to schedule an appointment 752-3506 or visit NorthriverDentist.com. It's North River Dental Associates.
1: Gonna tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier right out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. We we're talking about camp season. It's still camp season at Peterbrook Chocolatier. That's right. 205-752-0211. We've had heat. We've had storms of late. Hey, one thing you can count on for those youngins of yours is the indoor AC and just a tremendous amount of fun at the Peterbrook Chocolatier camps ongoing through the month of July, 205-752. Give them a call. They'll get you set up, still booking up camps through the month of July. And also, you know what else July is at Peterbrook Chocolatier? It's Gelato July. So every Wednesday. In the month of July, you just go into Peterbrook Chocolatier, you go over to that gelato case, you pick out a flavor, and you say, I would like my free scoop of gelato on Wednesdays only in the month of July. That's right, free scoop of gelato on Wednesdays in July, a tradition unlike any other, <laughs> right there at Peterbrook Chocolatier.
0: Call it gelato. Yeah, there you go. I like that. There yes, you go. Yes. All right, finally going to tell you all about DraftKings. That would be our corporate sponsor. The action never ends at the DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer with tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports. You could fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Right now, download that DraftKings Sportsbook app. As a new customer, you'll get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet uh, up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. So there you have it at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Download it. Use the promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network acronym you see. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you see that logo right there. Uh, Make your first deposit. Get that risk-free bet up to $1,000 with promo code TPPN only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. And Travis here, As we close things out in the final minutes of the Talking Tide podcast, figured we'd branch out college football wise, college sports wise, and talk about that Big Ten expansion. That also has uh, come down since you and I last convened here on Talking Tide. Southern Cal, UCLA off to the Big Ten, beginning a year ahead of Texas and OU's entry into the SEC 2024. And by the way, I'm still not convinced that Texas and OU won't figure out a way to, 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 to launch in 2024 as well. Uh, but officially, that's in 25. Uh, but the Big Ten, Travis, starting in 24, adding a couple from the West Coast.
1: Very interesting. Uh, not exactly geographical fits, I would say, but um, this is where we're at. I mean, You kind of figured this is where we were headed after the news of Oklahoma and Texas Jumping from the Big Twelve to the SEC, so everybody's trying to brand up at this point, and kind of figured that the two conferences that would stand above the rest would be the SEC and the Big Ten. Whatever happened to that alliance, though? Remember, we were going to have this alliance.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no. You no. Bet. No, sure. no. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 We're going to have our alliance you guys can have your
0: alliance yeah so that was um, all about like academic (laughs) interests
1: remember (laughs) oh man this is where we're headed you know and it, it it brings about that gnashing of teeth and that you know it's that time of year on message boards and uh, radio and podcasts. People are. I'm just about at my wits' end with college <laughs> athletics. Between all of this expansion and realignment, NIL, transfer portal, everybody chase is just about had it
0: until yeah. <laughs> September third.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. They they, they forget all about all the troubles. Yeah, that. it's funny. <laughs> I think It
1: just goes away. You know.
0: What about those cross country flights from LA to you know, Maryland to Maryland, Travis? Hey, and tell Penn it to the State, University of
1: Hawaii. All right. Tell <laughs> it to the University of Hawaii.
0: You know, yeah. I got a kid
1: back out there at UH and uh UH just to go from Honolulu to California to LA is a five hour flight. So cry mm-hmm. Hawaii or River. <laughs> Everybody else. No, but I it, it's it's gonna be logistically amazing to sort of watch and see how they figure all this out I guess they're gonna eventually have so many teams within the conference until it gets to a championship scenario they're probably not gonna ask schools from the west coast that are in that league to come all the way to Rutgers or Penn State you know they'll kind of just stay in their region and then when they finally do have their league championships in the different sports that's when they'll They'll have to come together for that once. But, no, no, all that stuff's going right out the window, man. I guess we're just about to the point where, you know how professional teams have their own jumbo jets that the teams travel in? Maybe we're going to – the money's going to get to the point where maybe we're going to have that in collegiate athletics, you know? Like Alabama has its own 737, a couple of them to put teams on. Who the hell knows?
0: What about Notre Dame? What's their move right here? It doesn't, doesn't put sound like much, does it?
1: Not. Well, nah, I mean, it's just going to have to be still all they got to do is we're pick up. still the not phone. to that point where Notre Dame probably feels like they have to jump. And so it's just going to have to be such a one sided deal that favors Notre Dame um, for them to still do it. It sounds like at this point. And, and look, the ACC may need to pimp itself out to Notre Dame more than ever without Notre Dame fully committing to that league. We'll see. Right. But no, I Notre Dame and the Big Ten makes the most sense, obviously. Uh but right now it doesn't sound like the Irish is is all that motivated to to make the move.
0: The ACC struck that long-term TV deal, rights rights deal with their schools. I think they're locked in till the mid 2030s, right? 2036 maybe is the end of that TV rights deal in the ACC Travis, which does a couple of th- I mean they did it for stability and they got it and that's great. You lock you lock everybody in, but at the same time five years from now, 10 years from now, isn't that, isn't that deal going to look a little stale compared to what the big. Well, the it, SEC?
1: It, if they lose Carolina and Clemson and say Florida state and some of their top brands to other leagues, I I, I would say it, it might look good with what's left. Although I, I wonder if there's something in those contracts. Okay. If, if, you lose these schools or this many schools to realignment or to other leagues. Does that void the commitment from say ESPN Mm -hmm. to the ACC? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Based upon losing teams. I mean, if you're, if you're ESPN and you got that kind of dough into that league through 20, 30 something, and you're sitting there with, uh, you know, Virginia tech, uh, georgia tech wake uh what type of value does that that contract have to you right, right. is their ability to renegotiate that you know espn is going to end up being the big winner because there's still going to be content and they may end up being able to buy it for even cheaper where some instances are concerned than they already pay for it they're going to pay more no doubt for the sec they're going to pay more for the big 10 um there's, there, there's no question about that. But whatever's left of the Big 12 and the ACC and the Pac-12, and you're still going to have group of fives, um, it's going to be all ESPN
0: all the time. I, I, I want to know what those exit fees would be for an, for an ACC team to bail on a rights deal that goes another 12 years. I mean, good Lord. The, 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 the rights fees for, a, for uh, Texas and OU to come to the SEC – they only had to buy I think 2 years worth of TV rights and that was uh what 70 80 million a piece yeah, was... get out of, what's 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 the cost going to be to get out of the ACC
1: That's, That's well be because of the length of the deal it's it's a great question.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh it's a wild scene. I I uh um we haven't seen college football this Wild and crazy ever, Travis, and in, in so many ways between alignment, the portal, NIL it, 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 conferences, the playoff expansion. I mean, everywhere you turn, the the, the tectonic plates are are shifting oh, rapidly.
1: And you knew it was coming again. Going back to OU, Texas, yeah. Um, which was essentially what, almost exactly a year ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it sure well, was.
0: Well, wasn't it SEC media days, really, when that broke? It was. the, thing, the What I remember about that was, and I, I don't know if it was media, the week of media days or not. Maybe it was. But what I remember was the, the, the news that A&M and OU wanted to leave the Big 12 broke on a Monday. And then there was a little bit of news. The, the story advanced Tuesday. It advanced mm-hmm. Wednesday. It advanced a little bit more on Thursday. And then on Friday, it was done. Right. And, and you, if you looked at the progression from Monday to Friday, it was obvious that the power brokers had planned this out to be over and done oh, yeah. in a five-day stretch.
1: Yeah. And they got and it, it done. It doesn't sound all that different maybe with SE and UCLA. Yeah. To yeah. the Big Ten.
0: All right. Before we get out of here on the Talking Tide podcast, Travis, got to tip our hat to – uh, the recently departed Tony Sirico, who, of course, played Polly on The Sopranos, uh, a series near and dear to both you and I. Certainly one of my favorite characters, maybe my favorite, in terms of regular characters, you know, some of these characters uh, were in and out on The Sopranos, you know, one season or a piece of a season. But in terms of the of the ones that were uh, staples from beginning to end, uh, he was hard to beat as Polly.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, you can pick any type of scene you want over those six, what six, seven seasons that we had of The Sopranos, and Pine Barrens is the one episode you go back to because it's essentially uh, Paulie and and Chris Christopher Moltisanti, yeah, uh, Michael Imperioli, uh, and they were tremendous together. Uh, those two guys were just out of this world great. But yeah, again. Uh, any number of scenes you could choose from that series with uh, Mr. Sirico. And from what you understand and what you learn, if you do some digging and some reading and Tony Sirico was a real deal. Yeah. You know, this wasn't uh, a he guy that was classically history. trained yeah. <laughs> as an actor and just knocked it out of the park. <laughs> right. This it, that was Tony Sirico. A lot of what you saw with Pauline.
0: He was hired for what they call authenticity. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he brought.
1: Yes, he did. Yeah, he absolutely
0: it, did. The and Pine Barrens episode was fantastic for sure. Maybe, guy, killed, maybe... guy killed
1: 16 Czechoslovakians. <laughs> He's an interior decorator. What? what? Chris, he says, his house looked like shit.
0: Yeah. Oh, that, was, that, <laughs> that was fantastic for sure. I think... Uh, Maybe aside from that, what stood out for me was the sit down with Feech Lamont. You love that. I yeah. love, I love Paulie and Feech going at it.
1: Feech is a villain in general on that show was underrated
0: yeah. because Ralphie and Richie
1: were so tremendous. Um Yeah. Veach was great. That was a great scene. That same episode, though, was maybe my personal favorite scene when he goes to confront the lawn uh, care guy. The nephew. The nephew. Veach's uh, nephew. The one tells him to go F himself. <laughs> he goes around to the back of the truck, grabs a shovel, and next thing, you know, boy, up. Okay, yeah, okay, I got you. <laughs> next thing you see is Polly loading up that lawnmower in the back of his caddy. Oh, uh, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: We loved him, no doubt.
1: Tony No doubt about days. it. I mean, James Con passes away here in the last week. Leota yeah. Ray Leota passes away here in the last month or so. Uh been a been a tough stretch, man, for the genre. No and doubt. Uh, James Con, tremendous too. I mean, Sonny yeah. Corleone, Brian Piccolo, and and Brian's song. Um go on and on. Hell, even elf. Uh just uh, it's just a shame.
0: It is. It is. I was a, I was a James Con guy as well. I, th- I thought he was, I thought he was outstanding. One of the more obscure mafia movies, Travis, the cooler, one of, one of my favorites yep. in, among those that aren't particularly well-known, pretty star studded though. James Kahn in that one, Alec Baldwin, Ron Livingston, who of course played Peter in office space was in that mm-hmm. movie and did an outstanding job. Uh William H. Macy w- was in that film. And uh James Caan was uh vicious. No, no other word to describe it, uh in in, in that one. Yeah, he wasn't so, exactly a teddy bear as Sonny Corleone either. He, yeah. he was he was shooting craps across the table from what they used to call a tourist gambler, you know. The mafia <laughs> guys didn't like the tourists coming in, and uh uh the the uh the tourists. Open his mouth one too many times. To change, <laughs> we'll say, <Travis>. Jimmy. <laughs>
1: oh, gosh. Something else.
0: All right. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast for Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodbread of the Tuscaloosa News and Crimson Cover Television. Be sure to join us next time right here on Talking Tide.